Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Away we go. Episode 557 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023, the day after massive news and shocking news in the world of cable news. I mean, who saw coming what happened on Monday? The landscape of cable news has changed with what happened on Monday. And I'm, of course, talking about Commander's Bitter Steve Apostolopoulos appearing on CNBC. Huh? What? (laughs) You thought that I was talking about something else? No. What was bigger in cable news on Monday than Steve Apostolopoulos appearing on CNBC? Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We on Monday, for the first time in a few days, had multiple items in the sale of the commanders. Uh, Next segment, I will discuss that very big thing that happened in cable news on Monday. The appearance of Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos on CNBC. You will hear what he had to say about his bid for the commanders. A bid that, according to him, remains alive. Uh, Okay. Uh, Additionally, I will take you through some very interesting and very encouraging nuggets on the Josh Harris Group from NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB. And then I will welcome on a terrific guest who will provide us with a deep dive on Josh Harris, John Kincaid, the host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Uh, Harris is set to become the commander's managing partner. He currently is the Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and also the New Jersey Devils managing partner. But John Kincaid is going to tell us all about how Harris has been as 76ers owner. And here's a spoiler alert. You're going to be even more excited for Harris as commander's owner when you're done hearing what John has to say. Between what Albert Breer had on Monday and my conversation with John Kincaid, you're going to exit the show super pumped 
for Josh Harris as the next lead owner of our football team. I know that I'm pumped. Uh, Also on the show, we'll talk Orioles, the O's, they are on fire. Seven consecutive wins now. Monday evening, another come-from-behind win, a 5-4 win over the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The O's overcame a 4-0 third-inning deficit. I tell you, if you are a combo Commanders-O's fan, as I know many of you are, uh, right now is a rather exciting time. A few things before we get to some feedback. Uh, What a performance by Jimmy Butler on Monday night in the NBA playoffs. Uh, So the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks again. 119-114 was the final. The Heat now has a 3-1 first round series lead on the Bucks. Yeah, the eight-seeded Heat now has a 3-1 series lead on the one-seeded Bucks. Uh, The Heat overcame a 15-point third-quarter deficit, and Jimmy Butler was amazing. 56 points tied for the fourth most points in a playoff game in NBA history. Uh, He in 40 minutes, 45 seconds as a starter went three of eight on threes, 16 of 20 on twos, and 15 of 18 on free throws. He also had nine rebounds and two assists versus one turnover. Playoff Jimmy is coming through. Uh, And yes, we now finally do have that trade of Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets in place. Uh, The trade isn't official, but we on Monday afternoon had multiple reports that the trade finally has been agreed on. Uh, The Jets are getting Rodgers, the Packers 2023 first round pick, number 15 overall, and a 2023 fifth round pick in exchange for the Jets 2023 first round pick, number 13 overall, a 2023 second round pick, a 2023 sixth round pick, and a conditional 2024 second round pick that can become a first round pick if Rodgers plays on at least 65% of the Jets' offensive snaps this coming season. You know, that's actually not a ton that the Jets are giving up to get Rodgers, but of course, the Jets may only be getting one season from Rodgers. We do not know, and Rodgers isn't exactly coming off his best season. So the potential exists for this to be a Russell Wilson situation where the veteran quarterback goes to a new team and ends up flopping. Now, you know, maybe Russ ends up being much better this coming season, but for now, the Denver Broncos trade acquisition of Russell last offseason from the Seattle Seahawks, not looking so great. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. We certainly have seen very good veteran quarterbacks go to new teams and do well. See Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, see Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos. But, you know, with Rodgers, you don't know, okay? You just do not know. And we are talking about the Jets, who in a lot of ways are like the Wizards of the NFL. But, you know, it really is amazing, the parallels between Aaron Rodgers and the guy who he succeeded as Packers QB1, Brett Favre. And I'm not breaking news by noting this, but, I mean, it's crazy, right? Each guy was great. Each guy became a big-time diva. Each guy's time with the Packers ended with a trade to the Jets. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jim D on the sale of the Commanders, writes Jim, freedom, freedom, (laughs) freedom. Tastes so sweet, does it not? I remember in late 2019, my absolute low point as a fan, I told myself that the only way that I saw Dan Snyder ever selling this team was with some huge scandal 
that he would not be able to overcome. Well, it was a long and circuitous road to get here, but we are indeed finally here. I was very encouraged by the words of Mr. Gutman the other day, and like many have said, the more that I hear about the Harris-Rails-Johnson group, the more that I feel like we will be in good hands. All I ask is for class to finally return to this organization. Let's now be on the lookout for parade details. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jim. Uh, Jim referencing the great Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a loyal listener of this podcast, uh, the ambassador, an outstanding appearance on this podcast on episode 547, providing a deep dive on Washington, D.C. area billionaire Mitchell Rails, a key part of the Josh Harris group. Uh, Howard and Mitchell uh, are really good friends. Let's be honest, what matters the most with new ownership of the team is winning, okay? That the ownership brings the team back to a place of sustained success. But there's no doubt that you want to win, you want to have sustained success while also being a classy organization. And there's no reason that you can't be both a winning organization and a classy organization. The combination for the team with Dan Snyder as owner of losing and dysfunction. That has been quite the combo. One would be bad enough. You know, losing on its own is bad enough. Dysfunction on its own is bad enough. Having both be the case for so long has been awful. And hopefully, finally, those days are ending. Uh, Email from Mike in Southwest DC on the Commander's Stadium situation, given the sale of the team, writes Mike, here's what should happen with the Commander's Stadium situation. Do whatever it takes to get the stadium back in DC. I can't speak for downtown, but the city has done a good job with traffic control, at least as good of a job as the city can realistically do in the Capitol Hill area and nearby areas. Putting the stadium at the RFK Stadium site would most definitely upset the nearby residents, but speaking as someone whose neighborhood was invaded by two pro stadiums in D.C., admittedly, they are smaller stadiums, I think that these people would be okay. Move the team headquarters from Ashburn, Virginia to the current site of FedEx Field. Duh! (laughs) I think I heard on your show that the team would get a big chunk of money for the land that the team owns in Ashburn, so why not sell that land and renew another 30-year lease for the land at FedEx? I'm sure that Maryland officials would not oppose this. Uh, Those first two ideas were mentioned plenty of times, but I think that you have to include Virginia in this situation. Work with Virginia on an indoor stadium built for training camp in Prince William County or anywhere sensible in Northern Virginia. Uh, The facility also could serve as a venue for other revenue generating events from September through April, concerts, WWE events, high school championship games, etc. Play in DC, stay in Maryland, train in Virginia. It's what is best for business. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Or should I say Triple H? Uh, Here's the problem. The team wants its stadium and team headquarters in the same spot. Uh, One of the things that coaches and executives of the team have like despised is having the stadium so far from the team headquarters. I mean, this has been a screwy setup, right? With the stadium, the uh, glorious FedEx field being in Landover, Maryland, and the team headquarters being in Ashburn, Virginia. I mean, when you think about that, that really is crazy. One of the goals of the new stadium is to rectify this by building what essentially would be Commander Central, which would be like a mini Commander City with a stadium and team headquarters, including a great practice facility. And so when it comes to building a separate practice facility in Virginia or wherever for training camp, yeah, you could do that. Uh, But why would you do that when you're spending all of this money on a new team headquarters at the site 
of the new stadium. The new stadium with the new team headquarters is going to be obscenely expensive. And more likely than not, the team itself is going to have to pay for a lot of what the team is trying to build. And so the idea is going to be for that spot to be the team's home for everything. You know, games, practices, training camps, mini camps, OTAs, you name it. Uh, It would be nice if the team could somehow serve all three areas, Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Could serve the entirety of the DMV. But I just don't know that that's realistic given the cost of what the team is trying to do. Well, just as the Commanders are the NFL team of the DMV, Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. It is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that is outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit Catering by Uptown. Dot com And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Check out the reviews. Nearly 500 reviews averaging 4.6 out of 5 stars. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the news cycle for the sale of the Commanders uh, very clearly has had peaks and valleys. Uh, There have been periods of time chock full of news, and there have been periods of time with very little news. Uh, We right now are in a time of not so much news, of an onslaught of news that peaked with the big news of April 13th. The news that Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder had agreed to sell the team to a group-led by Josh Harris for $6.05 billion, though the reports did say that the agreement was not exclusive and was not signed, meaning that another bidder still could buy the commanders. But we on Monday did have a few items on the sale of the commanders pop up. NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, he on Monday had the following in a column, quote, the commander sale isn't final, but there is a timeline now for getting the deal done and getting Dan Snyder out of the NFL. Last week, I'm told, the NFL got an outline of the agreement by Snyder to sell the franchise to a group fronted by Sixers and Devils owner Josh Harris for $6.05 billion. And while Snyder hasn't definitively said he's going through with it, the pieces are in place to complete the sale within about a month. First, the league must complete its examination and background work on the group, a process that will be fast-tracked since the league vetted Harris last year when he was bidding on the Broncos. Part of that will be doing checks on Harris's partner, Mitchell Rails, the founder of Danaher, a corporation with an enterprise value of close to a quarter trillion dollars. Rails is widely respected and expected to be approved through the process along with Magic Johnson. They are committed to buying smaller pieces of the team. While that's going on, the NFL's Finance Committee is scheduled to meet in New York on May 10th as part of a set of committee meetings that week on Park Avenue. 
That meeting had been on the books before Snyder reached an agreement with Harris, but the expectation is that's where Harris and his group will give the committee an in-depth presentation on the structure of the deal and show they have the financial resources needed. Given the track record of Harris and Rails, it's assumed that part is a formality, but it is important to the owners. There's an assumption that the winning bidders will need to come up with billions more to build a new stadium in the D.C. area, especially in an economy in which getting public funding approved would be challenging. Once approved by the Finance Committee, the owners will vote on the sale to Harris's group. The hope for now is that the vote happens at the league spring meeting, which will be held at a hotel near the Vikings practice facility in Minnesota from May 22nd to the 24th, and the deal should close within three or four business days of the vote. Which means, by June 1st, a new era should be underway in D.C. As for what to expect, there are two things that I think are relevant to know about the ownership group. First, Harris has learned a lot about running a team from Fanatics CEO Michael Rubin, his partner in ownership of the Sixers and Devils. And second, Rails is, in the words of one owner, a real guy who had the financial wherewithal to be the lead person in the ownership group, but preferred to be in more of a background role. So know-how and resources for a new cast of owners won't be a problem here. End quote. Very encouraging stuff right there from Albert Breer on the Josh Harris Group. Meantime, we last week danced the dance of Brian Davis, the former Duke basketball player, the former NBA player, the former part owner of DC United, uh, him insisting that he has a $7 billion cash offer to buy the commanders, despite the guy having a very shady business past and despite his explanation for <laughs> for where his money's coming from being all kinds of sketchy. Uh, well, we on Monday morning actually heard from Steve Apostolopoulos. Yeah, Steve Apostolopoulos, a.k.a. the Canadian Stephen A. Uh, Steve Apostolopoulos is the Canadian billionaire who seemingly has been lurking in this sale of the commanders. Whether he actually has enough money to buy the team has been called into question. But as you may recall, we on March 28th had multiple reports that Apostolopoulos had submitted a fully funded offer of $6 billion for the commanders. And ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, he on April 13th, off that news of the agreement between Dan Snyder and Josh Harris, did tweet, quote, the Josh Harris group has reached a preliminary agreement to buy the commanders from Daniel Snyder for $6.05 billion per sources. It is not exclusive. The deal is not signed. And the group led by Steve Apostolopoulos still is involved in the process. End quote. So with all of that as a backdrop, the Canadian Stephen A., uh, he on Monday morning appeared on CNBC with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uh, Here were the first three minutes and change of that conversation. Welcome back to Squawk. We're now joined by a special guest from Toronto this morning, Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos. He's the managing partner of Triple Group of Companies, uh, which encompasses an international real estate portfolio and venture arm. He's also One of a number of investors looking, yes, to purchase the Washington Commanders. Good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Um, I want to talk about your business. I want to talk about real estate and investing. But boy, do I want to talk about the Commanders because uh, you right now are still, I understand, in the bidding. Uh, However, at least our understanding had been that this Josh Harris group was the winner, at least at this point. What's happening? Yeah, listen, I think... um 
Washington's a great city. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great team. It's a great uh, opportunity, but uh, to respect the uh, the process uh, that the NFL has set forward and the uh, and Dan and Tanya Snyder, I think it would be inappropriate for me to comment at this time, uh, as it is a live process. Unfair to say, though, that you're still in the hunt. Um, I am still in the hunt. Yes. And 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 can we just put two more specifics on it? Six billion dollars is, is the price tag that's been reported, um, both that you bid and that the Harris Group bid. So what's the difference? Do you know? You know what? It's hard. It's hard to say right now. Um, it, and, and as it's a live process, I, I really I really don't feel comfortable saying too, too much. And I, I right. want to respect the process. Um, but it is it is a head to head process right now. And it's not over. Um, one more. Were you surprised? I mean, Jeff Bezos was the other name that had been bandied about for a long time as a bidder. It looks like he stepped away. Were you surprised by that, if that's the case? And if it's not the case, do you know something different? Yeah, I, I think I, I only know what's in the uh, what's been reported in the news. And um, it's it's uh, I, from what I've seen, he's uh, he's not participating in the process. Right. What's your sense broadly of the NFL and, and, and football valuations right now? I think, I think that the, there's a really good opportunity right now. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous, like I said, it was a, it's a tremendous city. It's a tremendous um, team. There's lots of, uh, lots of great things happening in that market. And, um, you know, we're, we're real estate guys, so we look at it as from a real estate uh, standpoint as well. But you know, fo- football is 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 one of the best sports uh, out there. So we're very excited to be right. involved in the process, and uh, we. Uh, but are you just- surprised? I mean, one of the things that's so interesting about about the valuations that where they've gone, both in the NFL, you could argue in the NBA and other places, is uh, for a long time a lot of owners made an enormous amount of money, cash on cash money. Now owners are making money simply as a function of the valuation of these teams and, and whether you think those type of multiples persist over time. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the valuations are just going to continue to, uh, to increase over time for sure. Okay, so that was Steve Apostolopoulos on CNBC with Andrew Ross Sorkin on Monday morning. Uh, clearly, Apostolopoulos did not want to say much about the process. Or, as he initially said, the process of the sale of the commanders. To respect the, uh, the process. Uh... Yes, thank you, Canadian Stephen A., the process. Uh, the question would be this. Did Apostolopoulos not want to say much about what's going on with the sale because he can't say much about what's going on with the sale? Uh, or because the truth is that there isn't much going on with him in the sale because it is essentially over and the Josh Harris group is getting the team. I'm not putting Steve Apostolopoulos in the same category as Brian Davis. Brian Davis comes off like a total carny, okay? A con man, a fraud. Apostolopoulos does not come off that way. But as I said earlier, there have been questions about whether Apostolopoulos has the money to buy the commanders. Sports business insider AJ Perez of Front Office Sports, he on March 31st regarding Josh Harris and Steve Apostolopoulos reported, quote, a source with knowledge of the process told FOS that Josh Harris's group is the only bidder with the necessary financial resources to purchase the commanders, end quote. Uh, There's also this, Apostolopoulos is one of the founders of a credit card company called Carry Capital. 
Uh, he, by his own admission, raised $1.6 million, uh, presumably $1.6 million Canadian dollars uh, to start the company. Maybe there's a good explanation for this, but you know, if he needed to raise $1.6 million to start a credit card company, how does he have the money to buy the commanders at $6 billion? For a $6 billion bid, Apostolopoulos, per NFL rules, would have to have $1.8 billion in cash as part of the purchase. If the guy needed to raise $1.6 million Canadian dollars to start a credit card company, how does he now have the $1.8 billion U.S. dollars in cash to put down on a $6 billion purchase of the commanders? Again, maybe there's a good explanation for this. I'm not Apostolopoulos' accountant, okay? <laughs> but uh, this is a reasonable question to ask. In the meantime, up next, great insight on Josh Harris via a special guest, John Kincaid, the host of The John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. But, you know, while Steve Apostolopoulos and Brian Davis may or may not be able to truly afford to buy the Commanders, uh, Apostolopoulos and Davis most definitely can afford to buy some Shady Rays sunglasses. And more importantly, Shady Rays is extending a terrific deal to you. Shady Rays, for listeners of this podcast, is offering a great deal. Call it the Commander's Sales Special. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays sunglasses. They look good. They feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And so go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Josh Harris, as in Josh Harris of the Josh Harris Group, which per reports has a non-signed, non-exclusive agreement to buy the commanders for $6.05 billion and end the near 24-year reign of terror and reign of error of Dan Snyder as owner of the team. What exactly would we be getting in Josh Harris as the lead owner of the commanders? Uh, Harris, per a report from Mike Ozanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media last Tuesday evening, would own 30% of the commanders and be the managing partner. Harris currently is the managing partner of two other major pro sports teams in this country, the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. And so for more now on Josh Harris, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, John Kincaid, the host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Uh, John has worked in sports talk radio for years. He's worked for ESPN Radio. He's worked for CBS Sports Radio. You can follow John on Twitter at John Kincaid. And Kincaid is spelled K-I-N-C-A-D-E. John, it's nice to talk to you. How are you? I am doing very, very well, but I enjoyed it when the Washington Commanders had incompetent ownership, <laughs> so this is sort of a dark time for me. Please accept my, uh, you know, please respect me at this very difficult time. Understood, but our team has been run with incompetence for decades, so it's time for us to have some competence. We'll see. Uh, this is a very unique situation that we're on the verge of having with Josh Harris, him owning three major professional teams, teams in three different sports, in three different markets. Uh, has there been much reaction in Philadelphia to Josh Harris being set to own the NFL team of Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I, I hate it. Uh, to me, I think it stinks. But I think it stinks mostly because of the fact that I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, but I mean, it's yeah, there's been talk about it, but it's been honestly very little talk. Because here's one thing you're going to learn about Josh Harris is that Josh Harris is not an extremely public figure as an owner. You will see him. The community will grow to recognize him. They will feel his impact. But this is not like a Jerry Jones 2.0 type of guy. So you're gonna, you'll are gonna, you get to know his impact. You'll get to know what the man's about. But you're not going to get to know him intimately because that's sort of, I guess, the way he wants it. So I take it that Josh Harris, as Sixers owner, has not done many interviews? He doesn't do. I mean, he really doesn't do a ton. Um, he's very uh, like he sat down for some features and things like that. But this isn't a guy who's this isn't a guy who's looking to be center stage like ever. Um, he enjoys celebrity. He enjoys like being friends with celebrities and things like that. But he's not a guy who is looking to like come in and be one of the NFL's most visible owners. I guarantee you that. He is a he is a man who will spare no expense to make sure that his team's facilities, the people that he hires and puts into place, are top notch. 
So where he doesn't have a cap on his spending, I believe he's going to make responsible decisions about going after the best talent possible. And again, as an Eagles fan, I think that sucks. Well, that's just my own personal opinion. Well, as a Washington fan, I love what I'm hearing from you because lack of spending on infrastructure has been a problem under Dan Snyder. If you had to give a grade of Josh Harris as Sixers owner, what would that grade be? I give him a solid B plus. And if he if he if he gets the team its own new facility, which is what he's working for right now in downtown Philadelphia, to try to be able to get that in where they build a whole new facility and, and everything like that, I could inch that up to an A. If this team gets to the NBA finals this year, I could maybe inch it to an A. Uh, the success hasn't come on the court under him. The Sixers haven't won a second round series in 22 seasons that predates his arrival. So I'll give that, that, that the results haven't been there, but I truly am not going to blame him for it because he's not a meddlesome owner. He spends where he thinks it's good to spend. And I think he believes in letting professionals be professionals and do their job. So uh, I think you're going to grow to like that about him. He's going to uh, he's going to be an outside the box thinker, though. He's not going to be like the conventional guy. He is not blue suit, you know, white shirt. He is going to think differently. Daryl Morey, as I said before, is one of the most out of the box thinking, you know, leadership representatives in the NBA. And Josh Harris wanted him. So just think about it that way. That there, there's that's a big that's a big part of it is that you're going to be that there's going to be part of that going on. He's going to be looking for new age thinking, out of the box thinking, progressive ideas, and more importantly, though, you know, he, he you talk about infrastructure. Don't worry about infrastructure with him. The Sixers have a beautiful facility that they built for their players, you know, training facility. It's top notch. It's state of the art. And uh, it's one of the things that was mandated under him that was going to be changed. And I believe that's what he wants to do with a brand new facility, too. So uh, infrastructure is something you don't have to worry about. And I'm sure he's already researched what he could potentially accomplish with that. You mentioned the Sixers' quest for a new team facility. Uh, That quest relates to us because the commanders are in dire need of a new stadium. What exactly is going on with this uh, Sixers' pursuit of a new team facility? Oh, there's a huge fight because they want to take – there's a mall called Market East, which runs pretty much from like 8th Street to 10th Street, like 11th Street, uh, in downtown Philadelphia in shopping district. And at one time, the gallery was a big deal. When I was a child in Philadelphia, and I'm in my 50s, the gallery was a big shopping destination, and it was cool. Um, it was a place to go, and malls were hot. You know, malls were still new and hot and sharp. Malls have fallen apart. The area and the community around it has fallen apart. And I think what he sees is a chance to revitalize an area, grab a lot of real estate around it at a reasonable price, and take this existing footprint of this mall, which should honestly be a set from the walking dead most days, uh, and turn it into something really amazing where he doesn't have to be blowing down buildings as far as he can work from the existing footprint and probably save himself a ton of money in developing the new stadium. We're talking Josh Harris with John Kincaid, the host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. What would be the biggest complaint 
that the Sixers fan would have about Josh Harris as owner? Would it be the Sixers having not advanced past the second round of the playoffs with Harris as owner? Or would the biggest complaint be something else? That's no question to ask. Is, is the, look, in, in, in Philly, everybody just grouses about our teams and whether they succeed or fail. So that's always going to be the that's always going to be the number one thing. That's always going to be how any owner is judged. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie uh, at one point had talked about wanting to make the Eagles a gold standard in the NFL, and people would constantly throw it in his face. And then now that the Eagles have gotten their Super Bowl and been to another and everything, and, and are set up as one of the best franchises in football, now everybody talks about it. Yeah, they are a gold standard. Uh, so I mean, it's all about success here. They want to see success. They want to see wins on the field. That's what they're interested in. And with Josh Harris, until he produces that winner, he's never going to be fully embraced as that. But he also is not fully embraced as a Philadelphian. I mean, he's the owner of the team, but he isn't a Philly guy. Jeffrey Lurie fully immersed himself in being a Philly guy. Um, Harris loves the Sixers, and he does everything I think he can to try to help like, he's not going to spare any expense to try to get the Sixers an NBA championship. But the community doesn't, I think, feel that connection to him the way they would to other owners. Like John Middleton, who owns the Phillies. John Middleton goes to games, gets a beer, walks around the stands, and talks to fans in the stands. Uh, you know, during batting practice and stuff. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie goes and rides a golf cart around a few games a year around the parking lots and visits tailgates and talks to his fans. You're not going to see that with Josh Harris. That's not that's not who he is. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to be incredibly pleased with what he brings because I think the man is a, a really, really smart businessman. And I think that's exactly what any NFL franchise needs is a smart businessman that is calling the shots, hiring the right people. And one thing he'll do, he'll get the hell out of the way. He, he's not going to be a, he's not, again, he's not going to be Jerry Jones. He's not looking to be center stage. He's not looking to make personnel decisions. He's not looking to play amateur GM. He's looking to create a winner and create a franchise that will make him even more money. We have seen Josh Harris in attendance at Sixers home games this postseason. Does he attend many Sixers games? Yes, he does, and 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 I know I have only sh- I have only uh, been able to shake his hand once. So that's a little minimal content that I've ever had with him. But I can tell you that like fans who interact with him like the guy very very much. Um, he seems like he, he seems like look he, he, he's there and he's wanting the team to win. And players in the organization like him too. Like seem to seem to like him too. Uh, so look, he, he, he's doing he's doing what. It takes when when the team needed a new coach after Brett Brown, he went out and got Doc Rivers and some complain here about Doc Rivers. But Doc Rivers was one of he came off the high price shelf. When you're going for a Doc Rivers, you're buying once you bought a guy who's won a championship and everything and had some success. You're buying from you're going to Nordstrom. He's not shopping. This guy won't be shopping at Big Lots. And I hope Big Lots isn't a sponsor because I love Big Lots, too, for certain things. But uh, Josh Harris doesn't shop at Big Lots. He's shopping at Nordstrom. You're going to be. He's going to be looking for name brand merchandise. Um, if I was Ron Rivera, I'd be concerned because I think he's going to. He will look for the biggest splash he can potentially make as a coaching hire. Uh, if they don't turn things around this year, I think once that sale goes through, he'll give Ron his 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 due. But I think that he'll go for his own guy, and he likes to think new age progressive 
different. And I think that's what you're going to be looking for from that entire organization. And honestly, I think you're an organization that needs it more than maybe any organization in all the NFL. I am in complete agreement with you on that. Uh, Final question. So we with Dan Snyder as owner have grown quite accustomed to scandal and controversy and investigations. Has there been any whiff of scandal or controversy or shall we say, immoral behavior with Josh Harris as Sixers owner? The only immoral behavior that I would ever attach to him is the price that they're charging on his website for (laughs) some of these jerseys and T-shirts and everything like that. Uh, And I'm joking there. Uh, No. Honestly, he's, he's, um, he's gotten involved in the mayor's race here in Philadelphia where he's backing certain candidates that back his arena deal. But again, I think that's smart business. I I look at that as a shrewd businessman. And I say that if I was looking to build a new high rise or I was looking to build and, uh, you know, open a new restaurant, I know that in a major city, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to make, you're going to have to grease some palms and back the right people and know how the politics of the city works. So I don't in any way paint him as a, as a grifter or a manipulator. I look at him as a smart businessman. So I don't think, no, the answer is no. You don't have to worry about that with Josh Harris. He's not going to be, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be putting a black eye on your franchise. He's going to be a guy you want to hear from more when things aren't going well. Like, I think you're going to, you're going to wish he was a little more accessible, but I, overall, I really do. I think you, I think you got a really good guy to head the ownership group of the Washington Commanders. And as an Eagles fan, I'm not in support of this at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not in support of it at all. I love it. I love it. Well, great to get your perspective on Josh Harris because you can speak on him in a way that you can. John Kincaid, the host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5, the fanatic in Philadelphia. John, thanks a lot. All the best. No problem, buddy. We'll talk again soon. All right. I tell you, I now feel even better about Josh Harris as commander's owner. Hope that you enjoyed my conversation with John Kincaid. If you have like 20 seconds, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you want Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. And thank you very much for doing them. Well, the Orioles continue to roll Monday evening. Another win. In fact, another comeback win. A 5-4 win over the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Game 1 of a three-game series as the O's overcame a 4-0 third-inning deficit. And we're back. Joe Angel in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That is correct, Joe. The win column. Uh, The O's now have won seven consecutive games and 11 of 13 games. The O's now are 15 and seven. That is the second best record in the American League. Only the mighty Tampa Bay Rays are better. How about the Rays, by the way? They're now 20 and three, including 14 and 0 at home and 8-3 win over the Houston Astros on Monday night. The Rays have set a modern era MLB record by winning each of the team's first 14 home games 
to begin a regular season. But yeah, the O's are 15 and 7. Uh, they on Monday evening did not strike out the entire game. How often does that happen these days? The O's scored five runs, totaled 13 hits, four doubles, and nine singles. Only drew one walk, but did not strike out a single time. Uh, four Orioles each had two hits. Left fielder Austin Hayes, first baseman Ryan Mountcastle, third baseman Ramon Arias, and center fielder Cedric Mullins. Arias as the Orioles' number five batter, two for three with a two-run double, a single, and a walk. He did get caught stealing, but Arias in an Orioles three-run fourth had a one-out two-run double. Uh, the Orioles' hot starting pitching did cool off. Dean Kramer was bad for a fourth time in five starts. He allowed four runs in five and two-thirds innings. He gave up seven hits, two home runs, and five singles. He issued a walk. He did have five strikeouts. Uh, he over his five and two-thirds innings through 87 pitches, 55 strikes versus 32 balls. But a disappointing outing for Kramer, who in his previous start was great. The one nothing win at the Nationals last Tuesday night. Kramer in that game, six and two-thirds scoreless innings with six strikeouts versus no walks. But he otherwise has struggled. Kramer over five starts in this regular season now has an ERA of 620. However, the Orioles' bullpen... On Monday evening was great. Four Orioles relievers combined for three and a third scoreless innings with five strikeouts. And reliever Yanir Cano once again came through. The Cano show happened again. Uh, closer Felix Batista was unavailable due to high usage. And so Cano was called upon to close out the game. And he did. Uh, Cano in the top of the ninth. Faced three batters and got three outs, including two strikeouts. He did commit a balk, but he recorded his first career Major League regular season save. Uh, he relieved Danny Coulomb, who officially tossed a scoreless inning, but uh, did issue a leadoff walk in the top of the ninth. Yanir Cano now has retired all 20 batters he has faced since the O's on April 14th recalled him from AAA Norfolk. And Cano is approaching making Orioles history. The Orioles record for most consecutive batters retired by a pitcher to begin a regular season is a 24. Uh, this by reliever Fred Holdsworth in 1976. Cano now is at 20. Uh, this was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Yadir Cano and the team's bullpen as the O's for this regular season are fourth in the majors with a relief pitching ERA of three. That was primarily matchup based, but yeah, staying away from Felix tonight just because of his workload here as of late and just wanted to give him a night off and then uh, try to piece it together there with, with Cologne and, and uh, Cano at the end. So... Um, you know, unfortunately, we walked the leadoff hitter there in the ninth inning, but Cano came in and did a great job. Colum had a, a great eighth inning. Our bullpen tonight was really good, and uh, I thought Dean threw the ball really well too. He just had that one bad inning, kind of a tough ball there, but by by, uh, by Mounty. But um, you know, besides the homer, um, I thought he threw the ball really, really well. Last year, I remember you saying that you didn't know what you had in the bullpen going in going into the season, and then you started moving guys around and you came up with a successful now here you get you you have Coulomb who you didn't really know and then you have Cano uh, what's it been like what's it been like you know piecing that together yeah well it's fun you know it's obviously really fun watching them pitch well and you it's been there have been unbelievably pleasant surprises you know, Cologne's been in the big leagues for a while, and we knew that he was going to be a nice piece for us. Um, but you didn't, didn't know what Cano was going to was going to do. Besides, he was pitching really well in AAA, 
and uh, you're hoping that was going to translate up here. And and he's got a really good sinker and a really good changeup that you saw, and a nice slider. He's got a right hander, so it's uh, it's been fun watching these guys pitch. I feel like he's getting a lot of confidence here as this run keeps going along. Uh, I think you can. He shows it on the field. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got presence. Pitches with energy, pitches with you know emotion, and um, rightfully so. I mean, he's come a long way, and be up here in the big leagues doing what he's doing. I think it's fantastic. Obviously, it's command because he had you know he had a lot of uh, troubles last year as far as walks concerned. But can you pinpoint like what's the difference in this guy? Um, no, I'd like to say that somebody uh, came up with a certain drill or whatnot, but I, I don't think so. I just think that um, he, found, he kind of figured some things out. And some guys figured it out later, earlier, later than earlier, and and uh, have to ask him, but good for us. Yeah, good for you. Game two for the O's against the Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is on Tuesday evening at 6.35. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 558. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Wednesday show, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 710 of game one of a three-game series at the New York Mets. The O's on Tuesday evening at 635 have game two of a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. To respect the uh, the process uh